We've been in a series of discussions here at uh, the church since Easter Sunday, where our goal is to feel more free to believe in an all-loving God, not a God that is partly loving, but also partly other things like maybe punishing or angry. We want to have a God uh, that it, we have no anxiety to interact with, that actually we can instinctively go to with any fears or any concerns or any questions or any joys uh, immediately. And what does it mean to build a picture of God that allows us to do that really instinctively? We don't have to work ourselves up to it. Uh, we've been asking this because American culture in general doesn't actually do us any favors on this uh, front. And actually, American religious culture trains us in all sorts of ways to believe in a God that actually love can't be all there is. Like, it, doesn't the Bible teach that their God is actually like really out to punish and, and really doesn't punish us only because of Jesus? That This is a common understanding of what it means to believe in God. And we want to push against that. We want to move toward a picture of God that is truly all loving. No anxiety in the back of our minds about interacting with that God. Today, we have uh, a discussion about the importance of the role of experience in building that trustworthy picture of God. Healthy spirituality is built on experiences that help us to form a picture that is accurate of God. We want to consider together what personal experiences have shown us an all-loving God. Because in any relationship, it's experiences above all that build trust, and that's no different than uh, with God. It takes experience to help us be in that place where we instinctively trust somebody, just like that would happen with any partnership or any friendship that would build. Now, if you, if you grew up in a religious setting, you may have been taught some version of um, you can't actually trust your experiences because your experiences might make you like build out a picture of God in your own image. And that's why you need a really, really strict set of beliefs. We actually hope to show you something different than that message. Of course, we need to keep our egos and our prejudices and especially our ethnocentricities in check when we're building out a picture of God. Of course, we need to do that. That's obvious. But we also all have the image of God within us. It's not just that we are, we tend to build God in our own image. We also each as a human being have the image of God placed in us in a deep, deep way. And so of course experience must be a part of our building out a picture of God that makes sense to us, that actually feels trustworthy and will actually become a part of our lives. So being led by experiences in our relationship with God is not making up God as we go. It is what relationship is. That's how you build it, by going through experiences with another. So uh, one thing we want to say up front is uh, for some of us, it may sometimes feel like uh, experience is teaching us uh, about a God that is not all loving. And we think that is because experiences of faith or experiences of belief, experiences of church, experiences of supposed spiritual uh, authorities, those things can often stand in as experiences of God. And those things often carry experiences of harm or abuse. That 100% happens. And we want to say, if, the, if that feels like it's happened to you before, we are so sorry that is the case. We do hope that this can be a place where you can experience healing. For the purposes of today, if we can like as humbly as possible, suggest to you, maybe those were experiences of these things that stand in for God and not experiences of God, uh, God's self. And so uh, perhaps an experience of God can even heal those things, turn those around, show you something very different. And, uh, and we do hope that that's the case. So the question we're posing, and uh, Jen, I can ask if you can put this in the chat for everybody, just as we're, as we're batting this around, we would love to hear from you in the chat. How do you know 
God is loving from your experience. We're looking for specific things that you've experienced. And as we're encouraging you to respond to that, how do you know uh, that God is loving from your experience? While we're doing that, I'm going to invite Kyle Hanawalt, our co-pastor, to kick us off with his response. So Kyle, how do you know God is loving from your own experience? That's a good question. Thanks, Vince. Um, you know, when when we're thinking about this, there's, there's two things that come to mind. One is a, a rather recent thought, and then one is one that's kind of born in my life uh, experience, my life story. Um, I'm going to start with the latter, um, and which is, I, I went through a period of my life where uh, I had been trying to wrestle with the questions that I could not resolve about who God was. Uh, this was spent in college doing lots of reading, uh, being a theology major, um, thinking that if I read the Bible more and did more theology, some of the outstanding questions, much of which we've talked here about how God is all loving, but yet I see images of him being punishing, how God is clear and what he restricts in the Bible, but yet no Christians agree on what he is clear on. Um, and I figured I wanted to resolve how I understood God. Um, that, that led me to a deeply dissatisfied place. And in the midst of that questioning, I started to feel a distancing from the people I was actually in church community with. There was a sense of my own questioning um, was putting me in a place of like, I'm not so sure you're asking some questions. I'm not sure uh, are, are the right or good questions to be asking. I wonder if your, your faith is getting shaky. Um, and I started to think and look at my church community in certain different ways, particularly on the ways uh, the exclusion of others played out, exclusion of LGBTQ, but also just exclusion of anybody who didn't believe the same things they believed. Um, and that really was a wrestling for me. So I stopped going to church. I couldn't, uh, after trying a few different types of churches, thinking maybe it was just the church flavor that was wrong for me. Um, I eventually decided that I didn't think church community and the faith life of a Christian was actually going to serve me well. However, I growing up in, a, in an experience of faith had lots of experiences where I felt like I encountered God. Experiences where I felt like God broke into my world and broke into my present to show and connect with me. This is through uh, either through moments of prayer, through moments of community, even through moments of experiencing nature. And so although I had decided that a church community was not for me at that point of my life, I still deeply believed there to be a God and felt like that God was revealed in Jesus. I just wasn't so sure that my experience of faith was actually getting that right in churches. And over time, um, I began to really struggle and long for ways to connect with God more, and ultimately came to a place after several years of not being part of a faith community that I believed in a God who was all loving and cared for me. And that experience was based out of lots and lots of things that had happened to me growing up in relationship with God. However, my thoughts about God, I could not resolve. I could not resolve the questions that I had. And I finally decided at that point that I didn't think I was ever going to resolve all of those questions. I didn't think I was ever going to read the Bible enough or have enough theology to get my answers right. However, 
I did want and long for an experience of God that was being fed into my life. And this is why I rejoined the church. This is why I started reconnecting back in. It wasn't that my questions got resolved. It wasn't that I started, suddenly started agreeing with everything being said in the church. It was the realization that to me, I wanted to be in a place that was nurturing and encouraging more and more experiences of God. And so I stopped paying attention uh, for several years so much to the answers that were given is I started gravitating towards spiritual leaders that were showing me how they were connecting with God. I was less interested in thinking about him as I was encountering him. And so I started listening to and going to conferences of people that spent a lot of energy painting out what their prayer life looked like. Um, and a lot of those things I started to try in my own life. This is the first time I moved away from my evangelical upbringing of a quiet time where I read a particular Bible passage and do the particular prayers around it into being introduced to some more meditative prayer where the goal was just to quiet myself and not have an agenda to my prayer time. And I started in those experiences to hear and feel God in ways that showed up in my life that felt like he was good. I think to me, there's still a uh, still an intellectual wrestling that happens within me when I'm like, well, God is all loving and no judgmental. And I begin to devolve into arguments in my head about what about this passage and what about this thing. But when I take a step back and I evaluate the experiences I've had with him, God has never come to me as an accuser. God has never come to me in shaming me, even in the moments where I feel the most challenged, the most difficult. It has felt like the person with me was the one who created me and therefore the one that understands how I ended up in the situation I was in. The one who understands how I made the poor choices that I made to feel the feelings I was feeling or understands the world's brokenness around me that left me into the places I was feeling lost or hungry, or broken, or looking for him, and always felt him full of grace and love. You know, those are kind of a general example of stories that I've had, but just to, to think about a more precise kind of uh, uh, experience with a little more detail that even happened recently to me. And I begin to realize that I did really need to cultivate into my life regular experiences of trying to let the all-loving God come close to me. And this is removing myself from the expectations of what a religious or Christian should do and just about quieting myself in relationship with him. So I think about also about two weeks ago, we had my family's going through lots and lots of different transitions, kids going back to school, wrapping up the school year for my work, uh, the church beginning to like think about a post pandemic future, um, all sorts of big things changing in my life. And um, I'm you know, feeling anxiety about those pieces because I'm human and transition and change provokes anxiety, questions I don't know how to answer. And so I did the thing that I know works for me, which is I take a bath, listen to some music, get myself physically in a place of calm, and I try to quiet myself hoping that mentally uh, I'll follow my body and then spiritually I'll follow my mind of quieting myself. And in that moment, I felt two things happening. One of them is I heard the voice in my head, the, the one that I think is my own accuser, the thing that tells me I should have done this better. I should have, oh, you know what would have helped this transition is if we would have done this thing earlier 
or is it too, are we waiting too long to make this one shift happen? And I hear this voice happening, but at the same time, I'm feeling a peace and I'm feeling a care. This is the side to me that I have come and grown to experience to be God's voice living in me. It's the voice that says, this is a lot, Kyle. Of course, you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed by this. It's the voice that's saying, I see why you made the decisions you made. And I love you and I'm with you. It was the voice trying to calm me down and speak love and goodwill into my life. And to be honest, it is that experience of quietness where I felt God breaking through my stress and anxiety two weeks ago in a bath that I felt a sense of, I don't know what the future brings, but I do believe that there is good for me and good for my family. And so to me, when I think about how do I know God is all loving and no parts punishing, is when I actually think about the moments that I have experienced God, he has been all loving and no parts punishing. And then when I think about the parts in my, my life and experience that questions that, that maybe wonders that's not true, that has always been my thoughts about God, what I think about him, what I've been taught about him, what I've experienced in other faith communities about him. And so to me, beginning to pay attention to the God I actually experience has been crucial for me to actually step into this truth. Vince, I wonder for yourself if anything comes to your mind. It definitely does. And I want to share, but actually I want to ask another question because mm -hmm. I, I think, so what you're encouraging us there in that last part, I'm very interested. Mm -hmm. You're saying that um, we, we just like, we, we sort of trust ahead of time. Maybe even if we don't have the trust fully in the moment that the kind and encouraging voice that it, you know, like obviously not taking away our stresses all the time, but, but encouraging you can do this. You can make this hard choice. You can do this hard thing just trusting that that is the voice of God and that trusting that any voice that is more accusing or that is more turning up the dial to make it harder to feel like you're in a, an open enough space to make decisions is not God. That, that, that is what you're encouraging us to do is to, is to distinguish things that way. Yeah. One of the, one of the pastors that I first started listening to when I was kind of stepping back into organized religion, I would say I've always believed there was God. It's just whether I ever believed that uh, the organized religion piece uh, had any real helpfulness to it at all, which is the part I wrestled with. But once I was discovering there was places that that was true, there's a pastor that we're still connected with named Dave Smeltzer. And he used to talk a lot about experimenting. He, he, his big thing was try it out this week, see what happens. And I remember there was just one talk he gave that was was essentially saying what if every voice in your head that is bringing shame every voice in your head that is it feels like an accuser this is uh language from the bible talking about the threats we're against in terms of the the evil and brokenness of this of this world like having an accuser in our head telling us all the things we're wrong and we account that as not god we reject that and all the voices in our head that feel full of empathy and love and care and truth, we attribute those to God. Do that for a week and see what happens. And so I did that for a week. And all of a sudden, it really did feel like those voices, uh, the the in, not even voices, the impressions, the images, the senses of comfort. And I, as I began to say, well, what if this is God? It felt like those things validated themselves. Like all of a sudden, looking for that moment where I was feeling peace, all of a sudden feeling that peace and say, well, what 
what is this as God? And I'm going to look for this next time. It was almost like a muscle I had. And all of a sudden, the more I leaned into it, the quicker I could feel and sense and say, I believe this to be God. Um, and so that was, that'd be my, certainly my takeaway from this is trying to even look for and anticipate that if God is good, looking for those voices who are good. And over time, hearing the other voices just felt like almost like a visceral rejection of like, oh my God, that's not good. Oh my God, that's so self-destructive. Oh my God, that's not gonna lead to change in my life. And being like, well, that's that's not that's not who God is. Um, and it, it became a, a practice that helped me, I think, uh, get more aware. I still struggle with it. I'm sure I get it wrong all the time, but I think there's a sense of if I'm attributing those good things to the God who is all good, the, the, the downside's not really there and the upside is actually quite high. Yeah, I think you're right. The downside's not really there. There, there you don't risk much uh, believing that the most encouraging voice, the most empathetic voice in your head is God's voice. You don't, I mean, you don't even lose a sense of like, you know, like maybe you're in a situation, you and I have talked about this a fair amount, Kyle, because we're both uh, white men. And so there's a lot in life that we need to be humbled about. And you actually don't even risk like that in uh, like be, the chance to be humbled in certain situations when you go this route, because like, you know, you think about the people who actually help you change and help you make hard uh, moves forward and growth and even, you know, humble yourself and, and, and repent in a situation where you've, you know, hurt somebody. You think about all the people who've helped you be there. It's not people who've like, you know, like chided you into that or made you feel totally ashamed and so you just turned around and okay i guess i've got to do this it's people who you know held your hand and told you you can do this even though it's scary you know i think about there's a sense here of like well are you just ignoring like what if god really does have something harsh for you and you're just like no nah, i'm not gonna listen um but that's not the truth like i think about a, a year or two ago um you know i was the only male in my workplace and uh, you know i'm very used to speaking and having my opinions uh, feeling like my opinions need to be heard all the time whether that's true or not and i had a moment where i actually a couple of years ago i had a meeting where i i, I was just talking too much in hindsight you know i, I wasn't listening enough and i had a, an experience of later that night i was praying and i was sitting back on it and I felt a sense of conviction of there was one person in particular that I think I talked over uh, several times. And, but the thing is the conviction wasn't like that. It didn't feel like an accusation. I wasn't like, you suck, Kyle. It was like a, a deeply empathetic of like, hey, Kyle, you're a white guy who, and you are an extrovert and you in your entire life have been encouraged to talk all the time. You're a big talker. This is a growth area for you is listening. And this experience today, unfortunately, I think you may have hurt that person because you're still growing in this area. And I think an area of growth for you would be to go and apologize to them. And I did. It was a really good restorative relations a thing with that specific person. But it certainly doesn't mean that in this experience of God looking and, and sensing the God who is full of empathy means that I never feel challenged or I never feel like he's speaking into my life. I certainly feel conviction, um, but it's very different than I think uh, the image and experience intellectually that I used to wrestle with of a God who's like holding me to account in, in ways. I do think he holds me to account, but he holds me to account as my loving creator that understands who I am. Yeah, that's great. That's a great distinction. I just wrote in the chat, conviction is different than accusation. That feels like a really important uh, takeaway from, uh, but I like this. I like this encouragement of like the, 
when you are quieting yourself and you're trying to get internal, when we're doing things like our waterfall exercise that we did today, what is the voice of God when we're quieting down? It's the kindest voice in our head. It's the most empathetic voice in our head. Um, yeah, so for me, how do I know uh, God is loving from my experience? And again, I'll throw out, like we would love to hear from you all in the chat. How do you know God is loving from your experience? Um, I mean, for me, so a because I'm the sort of person where my story, like I, I was not a praying person most of my life until a pivotal moment when I had like a powerful spiritual experience. Um, I, I always like everything is kind of understood in, in terms of that spiritual experience of um, I, I had uh, lost my mom to cancer and uh, I was in a, a setting where uh, people were, were praying. I'd never been in that setting before, but the, the nicest people to me after I was a high schooler who like didn't know what to do with their life because I'd lost my mom to cancer, the nicest people to me were people who went to a church. And so I just followed them because they were nice to me. And uh, being in that setting, I, uh, and, and where there's like prayer happening, I had an experience I couldn't explain where it felt like there was this message to me of you are, you are not crushed. Your life is not over. You can be okay. You can move on every, you know, like this, this is, this is not like the end all be all for your life that you've lost your you know biggest cheerleader and fan and love. And uh, that is, I mean, that to me was this, like, it was this experience that I had, I had, I didn't have any boxes to put God in before I'd grown up mildly Catholic in Chicago. So I had like some sense of like, this is how people make sense of the spiritual and God, but I didn't have a prayer life myself. So I, like I was, I was, I was mostly just groping blind in the dark, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. But what this was, is this is an early experience that showed me that after death comes resurrection. That's, that's the message of Jesus, that after loss comes renewal. That is the shape of life. That is how things work. No loss, no death, no uh, ruining experience has to be the final word. And I mean, like it, it changed everything for me is going back to this of like, oh, they you know, like I'm, my, everything that now that I experience is like going through the interpretation that 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 first ever spiritual experience for me gave me, which is that the worst thing can happen and there is a loving God who can pull me through that. The worst thing can happen and there's a loving God that can pull me through it. And now when things happen that are hard for me, when small things like stresses in the middle of a week, big things like I years late after losing my mom, I lost my brother. The worst thing can happen to me and I can be okay. And like there is a loving God who can carry me through. It is it like I everything kind of goes back to that interpretive key, that first experience. But then like even, you know, like I, I appreciated what you, you know, you kind of shared, like there's these big things that kind of teach you this. Uh, and then there's these, these little experiences that just kind of add to the log that continue to confirm, like there is a loving God who can carry me through. Um, I mean, it, it, for me also, like a big story has been moving into contemplative places of prayer. Uh, I am a absolutely a card carrying perfectionist. I am super, super hard on myself. I hold myself to way too high of standards. I hold other human beings to way too high of standards. I've hold, held many of you on this call right now to too high standards. Forgive me. I'm a perfectionist. It's, it is, it, 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 I'm, I'm aware of it at least. And, uh, and what I find when I pray is the opposite of a perfectionistic voice. What, I, what, what I'm learning to pay attention to is, you know, the voice that, that dials things down, not dials things up. So I'm, I'm very much relate to a little bit of, of what you were sharing, uh, Kyle, before. A lot of it for me revolves around that like really high standard setting. 
Um, so I, uh, yeah, I, this has been my pathway into an idea that, you know, a lot of people talk about, like, uh, psychologists will talk about, like, one of the most important things that every person needs to come to some understanding of in order to move forward in life is you have to find a sense that you are loved. And this has been my way into that is learning like I, I yes, I, I am loved. I am okay, even though I am not perfect. Uh, and it's been trying to listen for as best I could. What does God sound like? Okay, well, I, I know from that first experience that God sounds like the hardest thing can happen to me and there's a loving God that can pull me through. And, you know, keep, I've continued to pull that thread. And now in each challenge, in each setting where I find myself going to prayer, again, I'm looking for that same sort of tone, that same sort of uh, facial expression almost, you know, like there's, there, you can imagine how someone looks when they're accusing versus convicting, you know, if we're talking about stuff on, on like the, when I need to be humbled front, uh, when I'm holding somebody else to too high a standard, um, you could just imagine like the difference in facial expression, accusing person versus convicting person, or, or if I'm, if I'm in a place where I'm feeling, uh, you know, down or rotten or, or just kind of stuck because everything feels overwhelming or everything feels uncertain. Uh, I, you know, I can imagine somebody who treats me kind of like, you know, like they say the right things, but they're doing so at a distance versus I imagine, you know, the, the, the body language, the facial expressions of somebody who's truly come down and staying with me in that place of feeling uncertain. That is something that I'm learning to look to for, uh, look to God for as well. So, uh, contemplative prayer is another big one for me, uh, besides that, like kind of first pivotal experience, um, yeah, I don't know, Kyle, is that like buzzing anything in you as I'm sharing those things? Yeah, you know, I just think, you know, I think about a, a, somebody that I used to, uh, like an old mentor of mine that used to talk about how um, part of our challenge uh, in, in relationship with God is interacting, like realizing that God is alive. And, and so our experience of interacting with God, and I think a lot of what I think particularly conservative American Christianity almost teaches us to to pers- interact with faith as if God is dead. It's almost like I need to know and understand him really well enough because he's off the table. It's almost like, you know, at this point, I asked my parents to write down a bunch of their family stories of previous generations because all of my grandparents have passed away. And so I want to really get to know those stories because I can't get to know them. So I really want to understand who they were so I can take principles out of their life and learn about them. And I a lot of, I think, the modern approach to faith is the same of like, well, God is not with us. So we'd have to really learn about him, get all of our frameworks of faith down, um, opposed to saying, well, what if God is actually alive? It's like, it's like not my grandparents, it's my parents. I can actually go and spend time with them. And I cannot, I don't just have to learn about their, their role in my life and their desires from me through writings and concepts. And what were the frameworks and principles that my parents live their lives off of? I can actually go and sit with them and actually experience and develop relationship with them. I think that's been a helpful thing for me to realize like whenever I've done that experiential part, it has always been full of love, grace, and acceptance. And whenever I've tried to create my grandparents' ethical frameworks to live off of, it has always led me into places of real challenge and rigidity. Um, but I think that's important to realize that that when we're talking about developing a sense of faith and connection, it doesn't just live in one place. You know, Vince, I wonder, you've often talked about 
like the tricycle uh, experience of how we can wrestle with truth. I wonder if it's helpful at all for you to tell, talk to me a little bit about kind of what you have meant when you think about how do we understand uh, who God is and kind of like the tricycle approach to understanding him. Yeah, so uh, there are different people who've written about this, like over the last hundreds of years, um, different versions of like, how do we come to, how do we come to an understanding of what our picture of God is? Really what we've been doing in this series. And uh, the one that I like the most is the tricycle. And so that you have to imagine three wheels on the ground. And the idea of the tricycle is if you're, if you're trying to pop a wheelie or like keep one, one wheel off the ground, you're gonna fall. That's just dangerous. Don't do that. Keep all three wheels on the ground at all time. And the three wheels, in, in this, this is one version of this idea, the three wheels, I really like this. Number one is experience. That's the front wheel. That's how we come to an understanding of what God is like. We have our own stories to tell about experiences we've had. That teaches us a picture of who God is. That's a lot of what you and I are talking about right now. Another wheel on the floor is some sort of scripture or tradition. And so that is a lot about like what we did last week. We had this like deep dive last week into discussions about like how can the Bible be a useful picture to a modern spiritual life when the Bible includes so much violence? Well, there actually are ways that it can be an incredibly useful uh, resource to the modern spiritual life. And we have to, that, that, that's how we keep that wheel on the ground is like to, to engage those ways because it can be so, so useful to have a grounding. That's the idea of that tradition or scripture uh, tricycle uh, wheel. And then the third wheel is community third wheel is we don't do this on our own. We don't, we don't come to decisions uh, about who God is just in our own head, deciding, oh, I had this vision and that must mean that that is what God is about. We're always turning to the people to our left and to our right, our inner circle folks who we trust and saying, what do you think about this? Hey, I had this experience. Does that sound like God to you? And we get people to speak it back to us and to help us, you know, hone in and, and, and fine tune what our images of God are. If we have all three of those wheels on the ground at the same time, we're in good shape. We're, we're, we're not going to abuse other people. We're not going to lead ourselves into stupid places or places where we're just, you know, going to be, I don't know, continuing our cycles of, of all the, all the, the, our worst habits. We are going to be a light to other people around us and show sanity and love and compassion by keeping all those three wheels on the ground. If we, if we, just have two on the ground or just have one on the ground, that's when we kind of get off into loopy places or places where we'll feel less sensible to somebody else, maybe who comes from a totally different culture from us because we won't be able to listen to them or somebody who who's had very different experiences from us because we won't be able to listen to them. Keep all three on the ground, that keeps us grounded. Does that make sense? Yeah, I like that a lot. You know, and I think uh, historically, you know, I think one of the, the critiques of modern American faith in the evangelical kind of arm of things is like it's a unicycle of the bible uh it, it's like what what is all we need is the bible all we need is the bible um as if that is the only thing that's going to help us understand god um whereas you know one thing i think about in terms of wrestling through these things is wondering if god is good and god lives in our uh, the desires and longings of our life because he wants good for us. What if we got better at paying attention and seeing where God is showing up in our life and trying to lead us towards those things? Um, and, you know, I think that there's a lot of different kind of pathways that God shows up in our life and we're not all the same. And I, you know, I think just one helpful way to think about this is uh, thinking through spiritual pathways. Like if I'm trying to experience a good God, what are different ways that that can happen? You know, like historically, the, uh, 
the way that people talked about like nature and beauty being a spiritual pathway to connecting with God. A lot of people talk about like, how do I know God is good is because I see it in the beauty of the, the trees outside. Um, relationships, a big one. Uh, I believe that each of us are made in the image of God. So actually in the interaction of each other, we are engaging with the divine spark. And especially when I see something new and beautiful in another person that I actually think that I'm actually, there's like things that God shows up in that. So there's a lot of times where it's like, when do I experience God? When I was sitting around the fire last night with my brother, God, I felt like God, that is God's presence right there. Um, some people have like more of a contemplative pathway so it's it's sitting back and quiet and feeling like there's an actual kind of mediation uh, of where God is and then some people do feel like a sense of God in the experience of like reading or uh, kind of diving into study that there's actually a sense of like their brain is a pathway to our heart and even though we've been talking about here how there's some pitfalls into thinking that how we think about faith is what we think about God rather than being in relationship with God it's still important to realize that for some of us thinking about God is a pathway to experiencing God. Um, so I'd be curious in the chat for anybody here, if you might be willing to share and think about like, how, how do you think you, you're, if you have a spiritual pathway, where would it be? And whether it's like, hey, this is where I've experienced God before, or maybe uh, for some people, the, the, because experiencing God feels like a very like, uh, a very high optimistic, like I've experienced God. For some of us, that language can get in the way. So maybe even just like, what is the pathway where you feel connected with the oneness of everything? Um, to me, that that I, I talk about that is experiencing God, but for some people that language uh, can get in the way of, I think that spiritual experience. Um, I'm curious if anybody would share that with us in the chat. Mm. And Jen, while we're letting people do that, can you fill us in on what's come in uh, since we asked about experiences that show us God is loving? Absolutely. Um, just some really great ones. Um, Lynn um, just chimed in with um, that when her mother was passing away, um, mm. God really showed his presence there. Um, mm. And she felt um, her mother speaking like through, uh, through God. Um, and then um, God saying it's not time for her to pass yet, and that He was very mm. present in His her um, mother's words. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, Rebecca had some really great stuff about um, that. Uh, you know, it took a, um, a while to realize that um, I didn't need to bring the best version of me to prayer mm. and sitting with God. Mm. He sees and knows me all the time, anyway. Um, so just like, you don't have to put on, you know, I think we can get caught up in uh, ritual or like having the right prayer routine or morning routine. And it's like, oh gosh, you know, just, um, we can be with God as ourselves, how we are, um, and just letting that happen. Um, and then Rebecca also added, um, his presence, um, uh, gives me reminders to be kind, to consider the good and to be patient and gentle, um, with myself um yeah so some really good stuff awesome awesome yeah i i think that uh connects well with kyle your the idea you're bringing up of pathways um that if we're engaging those different pathways um as we're hearing a few of those come out in in the experiences that people are sharing um it, it, it connects also to the idea of the tricycle right if we're engaging those pathways that work for us that come naturally to us, we're gonna be able to keep all three wheels of the tricycle on the ground because we are not just going off into a world of 
Um, oh, we're, you know, maybe we're, maybe we're a, a very heady person. And so we think I just need to figure everything out. Like you were saying the pressure was on you, Kyle, or maybe there's somebody who's not a very heady person, but they feel like the only way to discover what is true is to figure everything out with the idea of leaning into our pathways. We keep that experience thing on the ground. Oh, look, the, the, uh, so many of the pathways are about like what internally for you makes your heart sing, makes you come alive. When you were, when you were talking about things just a moment ago, Kyle, I, I, um, uh, I immediately thought of the movie Moana because Moana is, uh, I think, probably the second best movie ever made. Um, and uh, I, I gave, like, right shortly before the pandemic started, um, I gave a sermon about uh, Moana and uh, the theology that kind of that 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 so stirs my soul after watching that movie. And we just recently watched it as a family again uh, the other week. And I like just. I feel deeply like I find God in watching Mohana. <laughs> and so uh, so there's there's that. That's the experience wheel. And then some of the pathways, as you mentioned, are are a connecting thing. They're a relational thing. And that's that third wheel, that community wheel. Those all of the all of the ways that we in interaction with other human beings, uh, more more uh, like hone our own pictures of God or just fill out our pictures of God to be broader because we only have one narrow perspective given the ethnic or cultural or personal experiences that we have had. We can only see one part of the God that is all love that is at the center of all things. We need other people to fill out those other pictures for us. You know, I have, I have one last thing to kind of throw out to wonder on before I think Vince and I leave with a few kind of suggestions here which is, I wonder, I'm going to throw this out as a, as, a, as, a, as a thesis, is I think experiencing God is, the reason it's the front of the tricycle is because I think it is the, the piece that we uh, absolutely cannot miss in terms of experiencing a good and full life in terms of, it's actually the piece I think is the least likely to be tainted by our worldview. I think it is the least likely for us to get wrong. And let me pitch you why I think this is the case. And it's because I think we can all see how uh, tradition and scripture can get it wrong. I literally, we can do, we've done plenty of conversation here talking about how people, uh, we, in our Bible group two weeks ago, we just talked about the curse of Ham and how the, the, pro, the words of Genesis talking about Ham being sent off to Africa after disgracing Noah was used to validate slavery. There's a subordination there. There's lots of conversations about how I think scripture and tradition can very easily be used to project a picture of a not loving, all punishing God. Community, certainly insular and broken communities are places like this was my experience in the beginning of talking about how I thought God was good, but I had experienced community in ways that felt like a God that was punishing, a God that was exclusionary. However, when we think about our experience of God, those moments where we're actually interacting with the divine and each other in these ways. I think those are the moments that are like the most uh, difficult to get wrong. And the reason I say this is you talk about the Bible, talking about the fruits of the spirit. What does it mean to encounter God, the fruits of the spirit? It talks about them as you know, love, joy, peace, uh, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, whoa, Jesus. Sorry, there's, it's the, what's the, uh, 
what's the song? Anyways, there's is that, that a song? Is that a Isn't is that, that a song from your childhood? You pick me up and you turn me. You got love and joy. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that song that we we've sung that in church. I can't. Great. I can't see. Kyle, you should lead it next time. You should lead it next time. I really. I think that was great. I'm. I see some talent in you. But here's my here's my proposition. I wonder if in all of those moments that we feel a longing or a pull and experience of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that God is there. Like God is showing up there. I think to me, it's even, I think in some church experiences, we get good at ignoring our experience of God because we are, because it is unicycle. Like those moments where people say, I really wish that I could be inclusive of LGBTQ. I really wish that was the case. Like, what if that wish was God, not the restriction against it? What if those longings, those experiences of good were God? Um, anyway, so that, that was just my, my last thought of wondering if what if we most kind of held as our true north, those experiences of good things and held in tension the other pieces that maybe challenge those, like when our communities are maybe broken and wrong or our interpretations of scripture uh, go against those longings of truth. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. Well, there's lots more that we can dig in here. We do hope, again, as as the, the goal for this entire series uh, has been to encourage more conversations. Uh, one of the big things that we want uh, to people to come away with uh, after this time that we've spent post-Easter is to say, like, if we have a picture of God, if we notice a picture of God in us, that we do not feel instinctively like we can go to that God with abandon because that God is totally trustworthy. If we don't feel that, we should not settle for that. We should we should keep uh, pressing so that we can come to a picture of God that more fully feels all loving, like the picture that Jesus shows us. So we do hope this uh, presents more questions for you that you feel like more ready to, to say like, hey, um, Kyle, can you tell, like, can we get together and talk more about that kind of thing? Haley, can we get, you mentioned this thing and that that, uh, service. Can we talk more about that? Vince, can we talk more? We absolutely want to talk as the pastoral staff. We want that, we consider that a huge uh, uh, privilege of our jobs as pastors, which is to help people develop pictures of God that feel more entirely loving, entirely trustworthy. All right, with that, uh, we should pray as we br uh, bring ourselves to a, a close uh, of this message. Kyle, would you pray for us? Yes. Oh, Kyle, you are muted. And that, that prayer is so beautiful and powerful, but we just couldn't hear it. No, I was trying to encourage silence, but that's <laughs> God, we ask that you would draw near to us right now that we would feel a, a sense of, of you, the divine with us, the creator, the, the lover of all. And I pray right now that you would be speaking your voice into our heads. The voice of the one who is with us and for us and not the voice of the accuser. The voice of love, inclusion, and healing, and hope. Not the voice of fear and stress and enemying. And I pray in our wrestling in life to walk forward, to walk with you, Lord, that we would get good at seeing and hearing and experiencing you 
and both validating your goodness and looking for your goodness. I pray for each of us this week, we would see you on a walk through the park. We would see you in a connection with a friend. We would see you in a moment of quiet in a singing of a song. We would see that the good of this world was put there by the creator who called it good in reflection of his own goodness. Amen.